This is John Lyons, and you're listening to Cinema Activist. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, welcome to Cinema Activist. Today, my guest is Priscilla Smith. Priscilla is a film sales agent for The Coven. How are you? Hello. Priscilla? Doing all right. It's hot out here, but otherwise, great. <laughs> Coming to us from France. Lyon, not Paris. <laughs> Everyone always assumes Paris because, um, you know, that's kind of like the center of the French industry, but um just kind of in uh the gastronomic hub of europe i think it is ah, all right yeah. well it could be our our collective ignorance that we only know one city in uh in the whole <laughs> country <laughs> are you from france yes are you from paris no well I would I would think that a lot of the expats just naturally go to Paris just because there's more English speakers there. I mean, everybody uh, finds yeah. their way in like a, a roundabout way, but um, the food in Lyon is is um, pretty unbeatable. So oh, I think really? we'll be here for a while. Yeah. That's awesome. So how long have you been in Lyon? Um, it, almost three years. So just long enough to move here. Um, be here a couple months and then COVID hit. We've been pretty much been locked down almost the whole time. So not a great start. <laughs> um, yeah. But, you know, things opened up about, you know, six months ago. So we're just we're just starting to live our best French life now. That's good. That's awesome. So you're just starting to get out. Well, yeah, yeah, quite an interesting start. But you didn't start in, I mean, you're not uh, French. So where... Um, no, and it does get originally? quite confusing for people. <laughs> um, so I'm American. I have, I'm originally from the South, but uh, I moved out to California when I was about 20 and then lived in L.A. for about 15, 20 years. And then, um, you know, my I, I, I was a sales agent there for, you know, other companies for mm -hmm. about 10 or 15 years and kind of in the business for a while. And um my husband got a job in Lyon. He was working for video game companies and um, they he got a job offer in Lyon and he said, hey, do we want to go? Probably not, right? Well, I was thinking, well, I'm in Cannes three times a year for you know the TV markets and film markets. It's probably better to be based in France for American companies. And um, so we kind of took the plunge. And then with COVID, of course, it's been it's been an excellent decision to to be here, I think. And to be central and to be able to move around um, during that time. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's it's kind of been an adventure for us and um, a good one so far. That's good. That's good. 
So um, talk to me a little bit about finding your way to sales and film sales specifically. I mean, did you always want to work in the industry or? <laughs> I mean, industry, but I don't even think, I don't think anybody ever like has this idea. Like I really want to be a sales agent. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it's, um, I don't, it, it's a, it's kind of a long story as is I'm sure most people who got here. Um, you know, I, I moved to California from the South at like, um, I think I was, you know, not even 20 years old, just knowing I wanted to work in film. I was in uh -huh. theater and things in high school and just, I wanted to do something. I didn't really know how anything worked, moved out there blindly, packed up my car and just drove with no friends, no, no anything. So, oh wow, you, know, you took a big, took the big plunge then <laughs> the big risk. Yeah, all I knew is I wanted to get out. I, I just, that's it. I mean, as as do most, you know, teenagers. And I just knew I, I wanted to not be where I was at the time. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't even remember much about it. I think my parents thought I was joking. You know, it was just like, hey, I'm, I'm going to leave on Monday. Where are you going? California. Okay, cool. And then, you know, you're packing up your car. They're like, wait, where are you going? <laughs> And I think they always thought I'd come back. And, uh, I uh -huh. So what did you say back then? Did you say, you know, um, I'm going to try and find a job. I want to get in. Yeah, so I, I wanted to work in film. I just, that's all I knew is that I liked movies. I'd done theater um, kind of as a hobby. And so, you know, when, as, when I first got out to California, I did everything. I was an extra, which oh, wow. was really interesting because... Um, um, I got on a few like pretty big movies. And so I was on this movie called Phone Booth where I was an extra. And I thought, oh, oh yeah. my gosh. Colin Farrell and Joel Schumacher. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like yeah. before he was like super famous too. Wow. And so of course I had this huge crush on him. And of course also <laughs> like all the extras because the shoot was over, I think the whole shoot was in 12 days and it shot in one scene. So whoever's mm. there is there the whole time and it's mm -hmm. very small set and everybody knows each other. So, um, you know, I just felt super cool. Like I, I had moved out to California and now like I'm friends with all these like <laughs> cool people. And also Joel Schumacher, I didn't really know at the time was like really famous for treating everyone super, super well and yeah. equally. So it's like I was going into set and they'd be like, you know, what would you like to drink this morning? And I'm like, wow. I'll have a watermelon and celery juice, please. That <laughs> looks fantastic. So I'm like, this is great. Hollywood is great. You know, <laughs> I, I'm getting like omelets made for me as an extra, wow. which people don't know is like absolutely unheard <laughs> of. But I'm like, this is great. So, you know, I did. You that were spoiled. Like <laughs> you were very spoiled. <laughs> but it, it was nice that I got that, uh, you know, nice entrance before mm. I got the, um, terrible one but anyway at that time I was just trying to find my way and, and find anything and and I ended up um applying to be a producer and sales agent's assistant mm -hmm. which turned out to be absolutely horrible you know uh, I won't name names but uh, sure sure <laughs> um it was horrible I mean I'm talking to like it's just like the typical stories that you hear about like you know I have piranhas, so I'm going to need you to go and get fish for my piranha. Like, I think that I'm going to be treated like Joel Schumacher style. And right. here I am, like, buying goldfish so that somebody can, like, 
have piranhas in their office. Like doing just random, any random shit that somebody just needs like to. Dogs running around, like, like just like, and then them they would like have puppies. There's just like, it was so so chaotic, and it was just like you worked at a zoo. Did you work at a zoo? <laughs> yeah, with <laughs> I was basically like a maid, a waitress, the whole thing. It was just like you hear these like horror stories, and but. Um, this was a, a situation where he had like a volatile personality and I think he Ooh. fired everybody one day or everybody quit and they were about to go to Cannes. And I said, wait, 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 don't hire anybody. Cause I'd basically been doing all like the extra work. I said, no, no, no. Can I try? Yeah. And, and so I kind of packed up my bags and like did a market with him just to wow. try to like feel it out. Well, do you remember what year this was? What some of the film big films were that year? I'm I just have curious. No idea. Okay. I think no it was around 2008. Okay. Uh-huh. Maybe 2000, I don't know, 2007, 2008. Um and he was pretty busy and um he I did get to meet a lot of the bigger people and and start to kind of figure out how things work. So I knew it wasn't an ideal situation. Hmm. But I didn't really have anything else. So I was just trying to learn as much as I could from the situation and trying to do like what was best for me, which was, Hey, I'm going to get over there. This, this sucks. Like, yeah, (laughs) I I know it sucks. This, I probably shouldn't even be here, but you know, I'm going to take my time. I'm going to talk to all these people. I'm going to get them to know me and, you know, know my face. And, you know, I paid a lot of attention to, the analytics and, and some of the bigger movies and, and, you know, in my downtime was really studying kind of what things were worth and paying attention to, um, you know, what was selling in some parts of the world and not others. And, you know, I'm sure it's drastically changed by now, but, you know, just kind of evaluating the numbers that we were getting. And we, we did get so busy that I was kind of thrown into taking some meetings kind of in my first Oh, wow. you know, um, and, and with some pretty big people and, um, turns out, you know, eventually, um, <laughs> I guess all good ways. things come to an end, all bad things <laughs> come to an end. Um, also, I guess we should remember that always. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so at some point I was just like this, I, this, this is not sustainable, but kind of yeah. got the knowledge that got what I needed out of it and, and moved on and, and continue to just, um, you know, use that to, to go to another sales agency and another. And I ended up being, um, you know, after kind of a few jumps, ended up being the head of sales for Archstone for, I was the president of sales there for, I think, six years. Nice. Uh, which was where, where I was at just before leaving. And I had a great six years there. That's cool. So it sounds like, yeah, you, you saw an opportunity that first time at Cannes and you were like a sponge just soaking up as much as you possibly could. The first year that you went to the festival, did it meet your expectations? Were you just too busy to really get caught up in, you know, all the glitz and glamour oh, stuff? Oh, definitely not. <laughs> Ab- absolutely not. Like the first time you go, you're it's just like... It, it's incredible. I mean, to be fair, my my first market, I think, was Berlin. But then the first time in Cannes and, and having the red carpets and, you know, to be fair, I was in my 20s then. So it's a whole different world. Yeah. <laughs> when you're in your 20s and you don't need so much sleep. Sounds um, amazing. 
yeah, <laughs> it, it, it was a good time. But I, I think then, too, there was just a lot going on. There was a lot of money in the industry. I mm-hmm. think there was even a lot more before I got into it. And there were only these big parties and, and, you know, they were always giving away like, you know, I don't know, all these like swag bags with like Ray-Bans and all of this, right. you know, you could, you could have all of these crazy stuff. And, um, but, you know, even when I got there in my twenties, there was just so much to do and everybody's going out at night. And then you kind of learn the other side of it, which, you know, as you have to admit is a big side of it even if you're somebody who works very hard, like half of it is just kind of the relationships you meet, you have outside. Yeah. Um, the people you have fun with. And I think, um, you know, half of it is, is just your relationships. There's a lot of people to know and you have a lot of territories to know and, and them knowing you as a person and, and, you know, trying to accept your email, mm-hmm. you know, when they have a full <laughs> inbox it is really important. So it's important to make like, I think different kind of memories with people that are, are not just um, straight work sometimes. Yeah. So there's um, a real strong social aspect and like networking aspect. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, because think about it, it's just like sales can get pretty boring and pretty like tedious, you know, and, and the same thing for buying. I mean, if you were just on email all day being, you know, saying, oh, how is this number for this? This is really wonderful. You know, and but then you know, people want to think like, "Hey, remember that time we got stuck in Prague?" Or, or you know, good example. Um, we all got stuck when the Icelandic volcano erupted in two thousand and ten. Uh, yeah, yeah. And everybody was stuck. Nobody could get on a plane. Everybody's in can. You can't. Nobody could do anything. So we have all of these stories about like all of these certain buyers, certain sellers, certain people went to Italy. Some people would do anything to leave. They were calling, paying all kinds of money, taking taxis from Cannes to wherever, (laughs) Uh, you know, and some of us, myself included, were just like, oh, I can get out next week. We just like made the the ticket swap and didn't didn't think anything else of it. Yeah. Trying to make use of, of the best situations that you have in front of you. I mean, we were all in the French Riviera to be acting like some people were acting like it was the worst thing could ever happen. Right. A little perspective. A little perspective. Yeah. But, you could you know, be in a worse situation in a worse place. Yeah. And it's things like that that, I mean, the people, some people lost their apartments because somebody else came in. And then oh, yeah. you had a lot of people having to go, okay, you're out of your apartment. Can we share your apartment? There were people on floors. There were, you know, because most of the hosts were nice about it, but some didn't have a choice. And, you know, you had a lot of people mixing together. After a certain point, there were no more cars to rent. I was able to get one, but, um, you know, it, it was the same situation. Maybe maybe COVID kind of was a, a little like that. But um, I remember I was, I was by myself or my boss had made it out. And I remember calling and he's like, oh, you can get home. And I was like, no, you don't understand. I really cannot get home. <laughs> but it's things like that. Yeah, the social aspect is is really important. And it's it's just shared experiences that make people think like, you know, maybe not everything is good for them or that everything that I pitch to them is perfect for them. But at least it's getting to the point where they'll listen to you. And that's and the problem with you. anything, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, writers want want to get 
you know, scripts read, producers want to get their packages seen. It's the same thing for sales agents. Like we, we're out there with a bunch of other sales agents. So we kind of, you know, have to have these special relationships or have fun or be fun or you kind yeah. of always have to be on, which is a little exhausting, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Let's, okay, so let's back up a little bit because um, a lot of, like, my listeners are filmmakers, like, starting out yep. kind of filmmakers. So what is a sales agent? Um, and I remember because I researched this a lot myself, but, like, what's the difference between a producer's rep, a sales agent? What does a sales agent do? Why, do, why should you find a sales agent? early when you're starting out in your project, how can the sales agent help you? Well, I think for the most part, get, you know, trying to find a sales agent that will help you in, in the early stages is becoming more and more important every year. And that's because as your packaging goes along, sometimes once you have a finished product, we can only evaluate based on that product. Mm -hmm. uh, which is, which is great. And sometimes you do a great job and we're all fighting over the same stuff and, and good if you can get to that point. But now one of the biggest issues is kind of how do we get this made? Who do we go out to? And if we have this a, a script and a package and the right cast, um, it's really sometimes we can help you before you go to market instead of saying, oh, if only this would have had somebody from blah, 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 some mm -hmm. TV series. Or, you know, this is really great but the pacing's not good. So, mm -hmm. you know, one of the biggest um, problems we see with scripts and with films in general, sales-wise, that is, is that the first 10 minutes are not big. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we hear a lot like, oh, but it's it, we're just developing the character. That's fine if you're established. And it's not, it, to be honest, it's it's not necessarily my preference. It's just I have to turn around and sell it to a buyer. Right. The and market. a buyer, if, <laughs> if, they, if they watch 10 minutes of the film and there's not something special about it, they know that now the customer is going to stop watching. Mm -hmm. And so it's really like if we read something now and we say, hey, you know what? The pacing is not good enough here. It's not strong enough. But if you take a scene from the end and put it to the beginning – you know, mm -hmm. then you can capture the interest and then kind of go along and develop a little bit more. Things like that. Um, I think pacing is a big problem these days, um, mainly because um, attention spans are shorter. And so um, much competition, and, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I uh, competition-wise, I think... I really think it's the attention span hmm. because really what's going on is, is we're being delivered to these days at a different rate than it, we were 10 years ago. 10 years ago, you could go watch a movie. You could ha like wait to have a little payoff. Our brains are different now. We're watching Instagram or TikTok. And if somebody's telling a joke, you know, how long do you stay on a joke before you scroll to the next video? <laughs> if they don't get there in 20 seconds, it's done. Wow, and it's yeah. the same for film. It may be a different level. It may be a different length. But you want that payoff and your brain wants it every so often. So when you're writing a script, I tell people you have to flip it every, I think I tell people six minutes. I don't even know if that's correct anymore. <laughs> and that doesn't mean that something has to blow up, though it's mm -hmm. nice. 
Um, <laughs> if you can, if you have the budget. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. You, if you you're inside, emotional... get outside. Yeah. If you if you're if you're if you're talking a lot, then go do a lot. You know, mm-hmm. it's got to flip where you're seeing something, something like little resolutions or something. And that's really important to know that just because you need to develop something doesn't mean that fits into the the brain patterns of your viewer. And so it's really important to to think of yourself as a viewer and will I sit here or would I turn this off? Will I wait for the payout? And that's a, that's a big issue, I think, for filmmakers and screenwriters uh, because it's a problem for buyers. They're trying to buy for the audience and the audience has a very short attention span. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean... <clears throat> Like when uh, Unearth, so I'll I'll use us as an example. When mm-hmm. Unearth was uh, selected for Fantasia, um, for its world premiere, we like the day that we were, <clears throat> you know, in the press and stuff like that. Uh, we started getting, like, literally because I have a spreadsheet of it, like dozens and dozens of sales agents and producers yep. reps and stuff, you know, emailing us and. You know, they hadn't seen the film at all, uh, but, you know, saying, you know, do you have representation, uh, really interested in the film, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Is that typically, you know, because we're we're unknowns. So is that usually how it works for an unknown is once you make a festival of a certain reputation or, you know, get that's going to get an amount of built in press automatically are you kind of always watching for stuff like that as a sales oh, agent abso- to see like, oh, absolutely. this looks interesting. That looks interesting. I mean, in fact, I'm, I think I was one of those people for you. You were, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely. I should I mention mean, you You are our, our sales agent for, for Unearth in the U.S. Yeah. and Canada, right? Like, Yes, yeah. just okay. domestic. Yeah. Um, I, I think you had done your international before, which means I was probably also probably a little late to the party of the other sales agents, but, um, no, I think that's, which maybe was a good thing because I was like really soured on, uh, a lot of that situation, which we can get into too. So go ahead. I oh, think yeah. your timing was perfect. Uh, because well, of, thank you. I mean, we weeded through and had to experience a lot of like, you know, shitty uninformed, really you could tell uninterested they were just trying to like do the uh load up on as many Grab as titles. many as they can and <laughs> yeah i mean you know without getting into it i think you and i have talked about the reason that i wanted to start this sales agency is because i do talk a lot with producers and i do feel like there's been a disconnect between producers and sales agents as of late because a lot of people f- feel they've been burned i mean sales agents don't have a good name um you know it's, it's hard on both sides. It's, it's really hard to be a sales agent. It's a hard job. And sometimes things don't sell. And, you know, I, but, you know, other people might have had, um, you know, different issues. But the main thing is, is I want to be someone that people can come and talk to. I want, like, that's why I wanted to start this, because I feel like before, you know, if you're working for a sales agent for a bigger company, you rarely even talk to producers. You know, you're there to sell. And someone else is there to kind of take care of that relationship. And and it allows the sellers to just kind of go out and do their job, which is good on one hand. But on the other, I felt like a, a lot a lot of producers feel let down. And 
I think a lot of it comes from not that there's anything wrong, but maybe if something's not selling, I think producers just want to know why. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, a sales agency maybe just doesn't have the time to explain things or explain, you know, all these different territories and what these people are saying and give you a list of everybody to talk to because that is, it's very, very time consuming. But, you know, I wanted a place where, you know, people could go and feel like they could bounce some ideas off of me or trying to keep it small, not to have too much overhead and be able to deal with producers myself and be able to let them grow. And then if they have a second movie that they would want to come back here. Mm -hmm. So for me, just to kind of answer an earlier question, it's like, how, how do your filmmakers kind of, you know, is it normal to go the Fantasia route and hope to get into a festival first? Absolutely. But if you have the means, I would say the best way in order to avoid that is if you have the means to make the trailer, a lot of people run out of money before then, and that's perfectly fine. If you have the means to cut one or like show some footage, it makes a great difference because then you can blindly mm -hmm. send to most sales agents. I know that you're going to end up in the spam box of like <clears throat> half of half of the sales agents, maybe 90%. But I also know that I look at every single trailer that's sent to me because I'm not going to want to miss something that's really good. So right. even if somebody has something visual that they can show, um, because email, it's just a bunch of words, unless you have a visual in there or something to pop out. And when somebody says, I finished this trailer, will you look at it? You know, if I would have seen Unearth as a, as a trailer beforehand, I would like to think that, uh, you know, I would have been able to come in at a certain point earlier. So I would say the main thing is, if you have the funds to do it, to get a trailer. And if you have someone in mind and you have something to show for your finished film, then you could always, you know, try to get meetings and, and try to get emails of those people. Uh, but if you can't and you go the other route, then obviously um, getting into a big festival, we trust the festivals. Mm -hmm. So that's another, it's another gatekeeper where if somebody says, hey, you're good enough for Fantasia, then we're saying, oh, then they're probably good enough for me. Mm -hmm. So even like you were saying, even without seeing the movie, we're like, we want your movie. Yeah. Because we know they're pretty good. I mean, there's, there's some really good reputations at some of the festivals out there. And, um, and people know that there, there's there's not a lot of shitty films getting into Fantasia, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so they're tastemakers. Uh, and mm -hmm. I'm wearing a Fantasia shirt today mm. to re repre represent, to give a shout yeah. out. Yeah, okay, so that's interesting. So if you are an unknown filmmaker, but you feel like you have the goods, you can be, you're saying you can be proactive and if you have some footage, a little sizzle, a trailer, even and if you right cut now it. more than any, like okay. more than ever, because there's not a lot of money out there. There's not just, you know, tons of films. And I would say right now, filmmakers, again, if you have the means to finish the film first, mm -hmm. you're going to have the pick of some sales agents because we need product. Okay. We need product. And sales agents help too with, which I've, found out with getting into festivals as well so um mm -hmm. you would recommend the strategy of 
doing your homework on sales agents, you know, maybe that work in your genre or, you know, have handled your type of film before seem to have an interest or a skill set in that area, cut something together and see if um, you can bring them in before submitting to festivals and stuff like that, which festivals can get so expensive, you know, submitting to as an independent filmmaker. You would recommend but, but kind of that route? Yeah, because we don't pay for it most of the time. I mean, in certain situations, we definitely would, but for the most part, that's another thing is like you're, you're submitting, whereas like in some situations, like we have something we can contact some of the programmers and say, please, you know, please mm -hmm. put this on your list. And this, this is going to be really great. Yeah, and that um, helps. It, it eliminates the, the funds coming from you. Yeah, which is great because <laughs> you could use that money to cut your trailer, like you're saying. You Absolutely. You cut an awesome trailer. And also the thing, the thing that's different is like, you know, it's different if you're submitting to a few festivals for a fee. And I think some filmmakers think I want to submit to all of these festivals just in case, whereas the sales agent's going to tell you, what is your objective? Because if you want sales, we only these 10 are going to work for us. So focus on these 10. But if you want exposure because you're a first-time person or whatever, then there's, you know, I'm not knocking any film festival. There's a reason to go to a bunch of them and especially in different genres. But if, if your objective is specifically like, like sales for certain genres, then there may only be four or five that matter. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we also have like some that are better for sales to Asia and we can we can kind of direct you that way. Yeah. So it, your question would kind of be, okay, do you want to, you know, be the festival darling and have a lot of reviews and stuff like that? Or do you want to get distribution and sales and you can kind yeah. of like direct people? Right. And it is two different things. I mean, it really is. Cinema Activist is produced by Lion's Den Productions. Hosted by John C. Lyons. Music by Tony Gray. Support the efforts of Lions Den Productions by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash Productions. Thank you for listening. We'll be back soon.